Thank you, Almighty God. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you tonight. Father, we pray that what you want said would be said tonight. That what you want done will be done. That your spirit would have his way in every heart and every life. Father, that decisions, Father, clarity will come. Light will come. Encouragement will come. And Father, that every heart will be touched. Lives will be changed. Destinies be overturned. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. And welcome to the last night of camp meeting. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, we're going to do this. We do it every evening. How many weren't here uh, previously? And this is your first service. We just need to see, catch up. Yeah. We believe in redemption here, so we're not going to throw stones. Well, we welcome you in Jesus' name. We're glad you're here. We want to encourage you to uh, go online and uh, get a hold of the message because we believe it's what the Holy Ghost is saying to the family churches. Um, I'm going to say a few comments, but if you can, go ahead and turn with me to the book of James chapter 4. There it is. A sign from heaven? No. You know, I was in the back room and I heard Pastor Scott make an announcement about how, how to get people... Um, Proactive starting on Tuesday, it's a $1,000 fine. <laughs> that you will give $1,000 into the building fund here. And so whoever that was, we fully expect a check. Amen. How many you know that, that that'll get you fear and trembling? You'll leave your phone home, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As I was saying before I was interrupted, um, I forgot what I was saying because it just caught me out of the spirit. Praise the Lord. But uh, anyway, uh, we want to encourage you to listen to the previous messages because uh, we truly believe uh, that uh, we're building on each session of what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. Our golden text was uh, Revelation 2.7, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And we've been emphasizing that... Uh, that God has a message for all of us. God has a message for each pastor. God has a message for each church, everybody in the church. And uh, we have to have ears to hear in order to hear what he is saying. We, we can't listen to God with our natural ear. We have to listen to God with our spiritual ear. And sometimes it takes time. And that's what we're doing. That's why we're taking these few days. Uh, and a lot of you have things to do, things to watch, uh, yards to mow, you know. You, you have a lot of things, but you, you've chosen to, to set aside this time to hear from heaven. And the Bible says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So by you being here, I believe that God's going to honor you. He's going to reward you. He's going to give you answers. He's going to help all of us. Uh, before we uh, go any further, I want to first of all thank everyone, of course, for coming. You know, without you, we can't have any meetings, you know. I, I would come and preach, but the... Uh, chairs here wouldn't respond too well and be very difficult so thank you thank you for coming uh, I especially want to thank all the ministry of helps um, 
For those of you that are involved, you know, a lot of work goes into meetings. You know, we, we come in and we enjoy the word, but there's a whole lot of things that, that go on during the day getting ready for us to meet here tonight. So all those, you know, um, cleaning, uh, food prep, uh, you know, the sound, ushering, you know, all the business goes on. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, and again, I, I want to thank all of my partners. I cannot thank you enough. I cannot thank God enough for you that you really, really helped me. That uh, FCI has many facets of ministry. Um, it helps me to travel. It helps me to mentor. It helps me to do things. And uh, when, when you give into FCI, that, that is a huge blessing. And, and I thank God for each and every one of you. Praise the Lord. Well, have you found James chapter 4? And so the last two nights, we have uh, some folks that have been with us. Uh, we've been uh, sharing what we believe the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. Uh, Jude uh, verse 3, and again, don't need to turn there. Because if we turn there, I'm going to preach there, and I, I want to get somewhere. And so I, that's why I have you in James chapter 4. That's going to be our starting point uh, tonight. But I'm going to read it to you. It says this, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And that is the theme of this camp meeting contending for the faith. Well, James, I mean, Jude here says earnestly contending for the faith. And we looked at those terms. It, it was not a casual approach. It was a, a very serious, heartfelt approach with action, a earnest contention, uh, contending for the faith. And we saw this, not for the faith that is now being delivered to the saints, but the faith that was delivered to the saints. You know, the wording is very important. So what it's saying that we're not to look out here in our present day for our role models spiritually. Because if we look out here in our present day role models, uh, you know, the, the, the bar can be very low. And the bar is very low that uh, we, we won't get any higher than the bar they have set. But it tells us to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. This is probably one of the few times where the Bible encourages us to look back and not forward. We know Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, I press towards the mark. That it takes faith to forget about our past failures and our past mistakes. We shouldn't be looking back at them. We should be looking forward into to God's plan in our life. But here, when it comes to uh, the bar, the example, what we need to be contending for, it, it isn't right here in front of us. It's already been laid down behind us, that we're to build on the faith of our fathers. And again, I always bring up Smith Wigglesworth because everyone pretty much has heard Smith Wigglesworth. Um, you know, raised 23 people from the dead, uh, had revival wherever he went. He didn't need a move of God to have revival. He was the revival. He walked with God. He had visitations of God. His books still bless us, and he's been gone for, oh, probably 80 years now, and he still is having an impact on the earth. Well, what caused him to have such a voice? What caused him to have such miracles? It's, it's the way he lived, the way he earnestly contend for things of God. And we, we, sh we shared about when Lester Sarmel visited him. Lester Sarmel had a newspaper under his arm, and of course, Smith Wigglesworth would not let... Lester Sarmel into his house 
with a newspaper because he realized that anything of the world will keep him from the things of God. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And uh, we may think that's kind of extreme. Not even allow a newspaper, but today we allow a whole lot of stuff into our homes. A lot of stuff in our eyes that if Smith Wigglesworth were here, I mean, he would have us all running to the altar and say, repent, get saved, you know. He would kick us and stuff like that. And, uh, and so that's why the Bible says, don't look out here. Because if we look out here, we're all okay. We, we don't need to contend for anything. Actually, if you're in the family churches, we're doing pretty, pretty good above the norm of churches. But if we look back here, and if we were to have Smith Lugosworth here tonight, all of us would be, oh my God, oh my God, Jesus help me, <laughs> you know, and repent. But that's a healthy thing. That's a healthy thing. And so we've been, uh, you know, Along those lines. And again, the thing we want to produce is balance. Balance. Because any message can be taken to extremes. I'm not saying that uh, we, we shut off all media, throw our TVs out, and we g become a hermit in the woods and don't allow anything that is of the world natural. That You're going to get goofy and weird and spooky. Um, and so we want balance. And what we've been saying, the reason we've been kind of a little extreme on, on contending for these things, because most people, not family churches, not the people here, absolutely not. We're talking about the people that may be watching online. The people that didn't come here, that if this was the middle of the road, and this is, again, heaven, and that is hell... And that means the more you're on this side, the holier, the more you contend for the things of God. And this side is the backslidden side over here. And the further you get from the center road, the more carnal and loose you live. Then if this is the center road that we should be walking in, as a general rule, the majority of the body of Christ is a little bit more closer to the edge of the road here than the edge of the road here. And what we've been saying, sometimes you have to be a little extreme. You have to almost be out of balance in order to get people in balance. And so the first two nights, we have been talking about, you know, discipline, uh, about repentance, and uh, how to contend. And the Spirit of God said this specifically when seeking Him, is to tell my people in this time, and this can't mean to emphasize to contend for that which is spiritual, to contend for the spiritual. I mean, no, there, we don't need to contend for the natural. The natural's awfully easy. We have it all around us. We're in the natural. We don't need to contend. We, we, are, we are full of a lot of natural things. And there is a part of natural life that we would enjoy. We shared that last night. But uh, along with natural things, we need to be contending, earnestly contending, for spiritual things. And so um, we want to build on that. And so in the book of James, this is going to kind of be a, a segue. A segue. Uh, because remember, if you were here last night, there's three parts of the gospel. Pastor Scott made mention that uh, Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Those are three components of true gospel preaching. Uh, reprove means correct, rebuke means to, you know, let you know if you don't make correction, judgment's coming, and, and so uh, we are to reprove, correct, rebuke, and exhort. So Monday night was reproving night. 
I meant Tuesday night's reproving night, Wednesday night is rebuking night, and tonight is what? Exhortation night. So I'm trying anyway to exhort. I got a smile on my face. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I am going to get to James 4, but the Spirit of God wanted me to remind you of something. And um, especially newer folks, I made mention of this on Tuesday night. I don't think I mentioned it last night, but I, I want to again say it. Uh, I think it was last year I, I had a vision. I saw that there, there was going to be a great attack on the body of Christ. And we know this scripturally. The Bible says when Satan knows his time is short that he increases his activity in the earth. We, there's, there's scriptures that point to that. And um, Satan knows the time is, is coming to an end. And so he's endeavoring to, to put all, all his forces against the body of Christ. Uh, and primarily what he's trying to do is to get them so distracted, uh, so involved in natural things, that they miss what God wants to do in this day. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, that they had the greatest move of God in the earth, but their mind was so on natural business and things, they missed out on what God was doing. And that's why Jesus was saying to the churches, he that has ears to hear, let them hear. And sometimes it takes time to, to hear and to not be so distracted. And uh, we, we said this in, in our opening night, that we all have flesh. Our flesh does not want to seek God. Our flesh loves natural. Our flesh loves distractions. Our, our flesh loves just the scroll on media for hours and hours and hours and, and so forth. And, uh, but we are spirit people. And we need to, to crucify our flesh. We need to allow our spirit to ring big. And so part of our contending is what? To put the flesh down. And realize our flesh is not us. We are to master our flesh, not let our flesh uh, control us. And part of our contending is just to, to treat our body like a dog and put it in its place. But also with this end time um, release of satanic activity. Um, that when I saw that, the following day I was to have lunch with Reverend Greer. And, of course, I was going to share what I saw. I'd, most of the things that God shows me, I just write them down. And I, I don't share it with anybody unless he tells me to. And uh, I, I asked Reverend Greer, and he said this. Uh, you know, I asked Reverend Greer, what, what, what is the Holy Ghost saying these days? And, of course, when you ask a prophet what the Holy Ghost is saying, uh, the anointing comes on him, and he starts telling me, he says, there is going to be a mighty deluge. Use that word, deluge. Look it up in dictionary, whatever that means. That means a whole lot of satanic activity against the church. And he had this part, and most of the church world won't be ready for it. Again, we're not magnifying the devil, but we understand that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, why I'm bringing this up, that part of, of the plan of Satan is to get God's people distracted or in some type of crisis where they're so consumed with their, their, their um, sickness, so consumed with their, their situations, so consumed with natural things that they miss out what God is doing in the earth. And part of his ploy, and we said this, and this will help you, is in these last days there will be a spiritual oppression 
over God's people that makes them not to want to read the Bible, not want to pray. Or if they want to read the Bible, the Bible doesn't make sense, you know, like it did before. It's just, you know, and it's almost laborious and almost boring where it used to be life. And when you go to pray, you know, you may, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And uh, that he's going to really try to manipulate our flesh and bring oppression to keep us from tuning into God. Now, let me ask you with a show of hands, how many have, have experienced some of that of late? Just about everybody, just about yours included. It, it is amazing because I love the Bible, read Revelation, and there's times that I have to read it out loud because when my eyes look at it, I, I can't get it. I don't understand it. What, but I, and then, then if, if you don't know it's spiritual, then Satan's going to jump on your shoulder and say, you're a bad Christian. You're backslidden. That's why the Bible don't work. You, you don't want to pray. You, you might as well just go out drinking with your buddies because you, you're no good where it is right now. You might as well jump right in. And if you don't, you're not aware of that, that, that is a satanic attack in these last days. And so that's why we need to contend and, and, and recognize this thing and say, bless God, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do right. And, and man, if you keep falling asleep, you're going to read your Bible walking. You know, <laughs> you know get, get some coffee or get some uh, uh, tea or whatever, or maybe run in place. Yes. <laughs> And when it's still dead, you use your face as I'm stirring up the gift of God. This is life unto me. This is health to all my flesh. I get this thing. I am going to pray. And again, the reason I shared this, we got newer people. The Holy Ghost wanted to encourage you along that line. We, that's why we need to contend for spiritual. Not just natural, but spiritual things. All right. James chapter 4. This is going to be our segue James chapter 4 and verse 5. Now this may seem like we're going to reprove and rebuke all over again. But really this is exhortation. I promise you that. Because this is in the Bible. The whole Bible is true. And I love something that Jesus said to Brother Hagin, my father. Jesus said, and it's a great revelation. Jesus told Brother Hagin the whole Bible is true. Wow, isn't that amazing? Jesus told Brother Hagin the whole Bible's true, but he added this, not just the parts you preach. That means everything that is, especially in the epistles that are written to us, it's just as true as Mark eleven twenty three. 23, just as true of all the promises that are yes and amen. Even the, the parts that we kind of want to pass real, by real quick because it makes us uncomfortable. But everything the Lord does is for our help and benefit. Now, James chapter 4, verse 5 Notice what it says, and this is inspired of the Holy Ghost. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain that the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth then be? Well, that's exhortation right there. That's all I can do for exhortation, and now we'll get back to reproving and rebuking. Now, you know, if you read in the King James, you know, I love the King James, but uh, sometimes you have to get other translations. If you read King James, it says, man, we're in trouble. That uh, here, the spirit lusteth envy, man, that's bad. We're, 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 in, we're in trouble with God. But uh, if you get another translation or you look it up uh, in the Greek, what it's saying is the Holy Ghost has a godly jealousy over each one of us. And... That, that, that is encouraging, that the Holy Ghost has a godly jealousy to have time with you. And uh, we, we know this, uh, a husband and wife, 
that uh, if a husband is over here talking and there's some, some guy hitting on his wife and his wife maybe spend more time with some other guy, it, it, it'll provoke him. You know, it, you know because he, he wants his wife just himself. How many know we are the bride of Christ? And that's why the Bible says he that is a friend of the world is not a friend of God. And so uh, here it's saying that the, the Holy Ghost, God, yearns godly jealousy to have time with you. You know, he, he knows you have a natural life. He knows you've got to mow the yard, pay the bills, take care of kids. And by the way, if you have kids, and especially more than one, and you come to church, you are a champion. And if you could come to church without strife, you are a super champion. Yeah. And so God, God understands that. Nat natural life and so forth. But God desires so much to have you, to have time with you. That, you know, he, he's seeing you taking care of all these natural things, and he's going to help you with natural things. And he's there, and he's, he's waiting for, for my time. My time. My time. You know, and we're, we're going to look at drawing nigh God, seeking after God. God seeks after you. God, God, God wants to be with you more than you want to be with Him. He, he, he is there and He is desiring you. He is desiring to have time with you, to show Himself strong in your life. Because a lot of times we think, well, yeah, I got to get attention of God. You already got God's attention. You are the apple of his eye. How's that for exhortation? You're being exhorted? Yes, yeah. We feel good already, yeah. So here, that scripture, you, you can take it in the letter of law and kill, but, but it, it's saying God yearns for time with us. And let's read on. Verse 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's divine order. Um, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Now again, here, in this encouragement, there is correction and so forth. It says, clench you hands, you sinners. You know, he's not talking to the lost world. He's talking to the church. What is... What is a sinner? Someone who sins. Now, there is a difference between a Christian that sins and a lost person that sins. We tend to just call anyone without Christ a sinner. But here, this reference is to the church. And so, we, again, that's why we, we address these things the last two nights about sin and about weights. It says, uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your double hearts. Be afflicted, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. And notice it says, humble yourself under the side of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And so he starts off, it says, God yearns to have time with you. But also if you're into sin and you're distracted all the time, he is there wanting to spend time. And so here's a correction, this is to, to, to repent. You know, uh, the book of Revelation, the, the letter to the seven churches, what was just about the number one thing he said to every church? What? To repent. Now, repentance is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The, 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 
True repentance brings godly sorrow that brings godly blessing to our life. And the reason the Lord deals with us and corrects us because he wants to lift us up. See, when we humble ourselves and recognize, you know, God, you know, it's been three weeks and I haven't talked to you. It's been four weeks and I haven't read my Bible. You know, I've been, you know, just sleeping in, not going to church just because, you know, I didn't feel like it. And just when we, we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I've been neglecting you. I've been neglecting the things of God. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And, you know, because Satan will try to condemn you. You don't listen to those voices. God will never condemn you. You know, you see the, the, um, the prodigal son, when he came, the father wasn't out there beating him up and berailing him and shaming him. He, he ran out to, to lift him up, to restore him. And so repentance is meant for us to humble ourselves And when we humble ourselves, what does God do? He gives grace. He'll help you in your situations. He'll help you to overcome those weights and sins that have been holding you down. And what is he going to do? He's going to lift you up. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will lift you up. Now, I want to draw as a segue. It all fits in. Repentance, what we'll be talking about. Because we want to come up higher. We want to be closer to God. And I want to draw your attention to verse 8. And this is a universal law when it comes to God. Verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That is a law with God. God, even though he yearns and in context he, he desires he, he, he has a godly jealousy like a, a, a young husband over his his wife he he yearns but he will never force himself into your life and so he'll be there yearning and wanting to to fellowship wanting to move in your life but he will always let you determine how close you are to him if you play chess or checkers he always lets you make the first move God does not make the first move because God is a perfect gentleman. God does not want to force. If you don't want God, he's not going to force himself on you. But if you want him, if you make the first move, you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. And so that's important to know. This, it's a universal law. You can be close, as close as God as you want. It's, it's not up to God. God is not holding himself back and saying, no, you can't get to know me. But Smith Whitworth can. Um, no, no, sister, you can't know me, but Kenneth Hagin can. Uh, no, brother over there, you, you can't get close. No, I'm only going to give a little measure of myself. But uh, I've reserved just more of myself for, for these ministers that I've chosen. See, that's wrong. Anybody that's close to God, you can be as close to God as they are and even closer. It is not up to God. It is up to you. And God gives us an invitation and says, come and know me. I love Moses. Moses saw the signs and the wonders. I mean, he was the number one used of God in his day. And you just think that would be enough. But he'd see all these mighty signs and wonders. And there's a lot of people just like to see the signs and wonders. And just see the supernatural. And, but Moses says, you know, that, that's great and wonderful. But God, 
show me your ways. Lord, show me you. I want to know you. Reminds me of something that Paul said. Paul had the greatest grace in his life. He said, I labor more abundantly than they, meaning of the other 12 apostles. He didn't say it with an ego. He said it because it was truth inspired of the Holy Ghost. That he labored more and had greater grace in Revelation than, than Peter, uh, James, and John. You know, the, Andrew, the, the inner circle that were close to Jesus. He said, I, labor, I had more grace. I have more of the grace of God than they did. And we've seen in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, he had the abundance of revelation. He was caught up to heaven. He, he, he saw all these things. And sometimes that, to some people that's enough, just to be where God is moving the supernatural. But what Paul say, that I may know him. That I may know him. He didn't say that I may be the greatest minister, that I may have more power of God in my life. He said that I may know him. And so the exhortation tonight is what? To know him. He yearns. He desires you. Well, you know, I'm just a nobody and, you know, I, I, I just go to church and I work in the nursery. He wants to know you. And he gives an a invitation. It says, I hope that you want to know me. I already know everything about you. I know the numbers of the hair of your head. I know your days, your end from the beginning. I know everything about you. But I'm giving you an invitation. Do you want to know me? Do you want to know me? And so what, what God says, you draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. You make a move towards God. God will always meet every move you make. Every, every addition to your spiritual life that you make. God is going to match it with his presence and his revelation and his blessing. You know, another a good scripture is uh, Hebrews 11.6. And we understand this without faith, it's impossible to please him. Isn't that interesting? Without faith. Not church attendance. Not, not a perfect scorecard of what we call, you know, cross and T's, dot and I's, or in your Bible, whatever. He says, no, faith pleases him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God, you know, we're talking about drawing nine to God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is what? A rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice, when we pursue God, when we contend earnestly to know him he rewards us we draw nigh to him he draws nigh to us we determine how much of God we have in our life and we have an open invitation and God says come and dine come learn of me come to know me have you ever even pondered this? You know, growing up, you know, you, you had your, your icons, your movie stars. Maybe it's a sports star, you know, that you would just love, just want just to, 
to meet this sports star or get a selfie with, with, with this guy or this gal and, and just have that moment in the sun that, and you could tell everybody, I met Tom Cruise. I met, you know, and I don't even know most of the actors today. You know, but they're men. They're men. They live, they die, they can't do miracles. God is all-knowing. All-powerful. All-present. All things are possible with Him. Almighty God, who sits on the throne of the universe, who is so intensely desirous to know you and want to show himself in your life. And he's, he's like this. And we say, no, I want to know Tom Cruise. But if you met it, God is the greatest thing to know. To get a selfie with God. To, to, to have a bearing. To be like the early church. They perceived that they had been with Jesus. Not Tom Cruise, not someone. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if Tom Cruise sent me into the next, in an airplane, I'm going to go like this. I said, by not Cruise. And that's about all the thought I'm going to give to it. But every day, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, bids me come, bids you come to know Him. Now, let's start fixing the clothes. You know what that means. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, I usually do that a few times. We're, we're looking at steps. You take a step. He takes a step. You take a step. take a step. Those steps are endless. It's just up to you when you, how many steps you take or, or don't take. It is said, and we, we see this in Isaiah 6, that when Isaiah was caught up to heaven, he saw the angels circling the throne. And of course we know what they cried. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, church tradition and Jewish rabbis tell us that... Um, Every time, they've been circling the throne for, who knows, millions of years. You know, I, we don't know how long, but before, before man. And they say that every time they circle the throne, God reveals something different about himself that they didn't see before. And it's so awesome and wonderful that he reveals himself. They cry out, holy, holy, holy. I mean, it, it just, it almost flattens them. It says, oh my goodness. Let's just breathe and ponder that for a century. But as they circled the throne again, another aspect. And it's been going on for centuries, thousands, millennia. And for all eternity, it will be like that. That's God. And I love where it says in Ephesians that to the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace towards us. You know what it means? That 300 million years from now, we're never going to get bored of this Christian life. We're not going to get bored of God. Throughout millions and millions and millions of years, we're going to see new aspects of God that's going, oh, oh God, oh God, you're so good. But we don't need to wait 
till Jesus comes to know him. We don't need to wait for the millennium kingdom to enjoy kingdom things. He bids us come. He bids us come. So real quick, let's just talk about steps, precept and example. You know, I, I was saved when I was 18 years old. I was raised in a Catholic heathen uh, home. You know what that is. Good Catholics, you know good Catholics are heathen. That didn't go over very well. I mean, when I mean heathen, when you're not born again, you're heathen regardless of religion. But there's a moral sense there, which thank God, you know, for that. So I'm not belittling that. But still, being, being in a moral home, you, if you die, you went to hell. And so that's what I call a, a heathen. So we, we, didn't, we didn't have the born again experience. And uh, because of that and the call of God in my life, you know, uh, to, to take the words of some famous movie, I went dark side. But I got born again when I was 18 years old. Thank God I got born again. My family said, thank God I got born again. <laughs> my, my wife's father heard about what I used to do and how I used to be before I was born again. It was scary because I was demon-possessed. Literally demon-possessed. And uh, he got concerned for his daughter and hoping I'd never go back to the dark side. Well, that's been almost 40 years now. And it's too late now. I'm just sold in with Jesus. Amen. But I got saved when I was 18, and, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. How I many know a progression? When you get saved, you get saved and go to heaven, and you, you can have a certain quality of life. But blessed be God when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I mean, that, that's just a, what, another step. And especially here, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost speaking tongues, you are missing more than half your life. You're, you're missing a dimension of God where Jesus said to his disciples, you know, I'm going to send you out in the world, but don't you dare even try to do anything, say anything for me until you're endued with power. Our lives are changed by the Holy Ghost. But even though I was filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, uh, and I, I was going to go to heaven you know, I, I had, a, I had a, probably a prayer life, just like anybody else did. You know, you had your little list. You, you prayed for this person, that person. You had your little list, and, you know, and you, you just prayed, and, you know, you just say, well, praise God. Thank you, God. You know, and because I, I wasn't too educated, you know, after about five minutes, that's about all I had to say. You know, and, uh, but I was saved, born again. And you know what? God blessed my prayer life. And I, I had a, a slight consciousness of God. And I knew that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And so here, and I wish we had time, I'd take you to Ezekiel, where it talks about the, the waters that flow from the temple. And then, you know, after a thousand cubits, it was ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, and waters to swim in. See, God wants all of us to get into waters that swim in. Waters that the supernatural, our lives become supernatural. His influence that we wake up, we are conscious of God. But, but we have to wade out into the waters. You know, it's not something God sovereignly does to us. We take a step. So, you know, I had my pretty, my pretty prayer life. And I, I, I would just have a prayer life like most people did. But then I, I, I listened to a tape by Sister Gloria Copeland. 
And, you know, I think that's the only time I ever heard her preach on a tape. And uh, she was talking about the benefits of praying in other tongues. Going through, and Brother Hagen later, you know, had some great teaching along those lines that, you know, you, you build yourself up spiritually. Uh, you pray out the mysteries. You pray the, the, the plans of God. Pastor Nancy Dufresne would say you, you lay tracks for the plan of God to go forward. And we do a lot of teaching along that line. And, uh, and I listened to this tape, and she talked about all these benefits of praying in tongues. Now, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, and no one told me that encouraged us to pray in the Holy Ghost, except for, you know, maybe pray for a few, you know, a few seconds and just to remind ourselves we're filled with the Holy Ghost. But she, she encouraged the, the people on that tape. And for those of you that are younger, ask your parents or grandparents what a tape is. Okay. And I listened to that. And, uh, and so I just said, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start praying an hour a day in tongues. I didn't know it that I, from just my, my getting born again, being filled with the Holy Ghost and praying a certain length, that I was probably going to take a huge step into something greater than I ever experienced before. That after praying an hour dang tongues, you know, eventually I'm going to talk about this. My ministers know whenever they get to well, how much praying in tongues are you doing? And when, when people are going through trouble, how much praying in tongues are you doing? And you know what the number one answer is? Not enough. Not enough. And it shows. All right. And so I started praying an hour a day in tongues. You know, everyone can do that. Isn't that wonderful that this, God gives us a supernatural ability to pray in a language we never know and, and, and our mind doesn't need to be focused on it, our body don't need to be focused on it, we just allow it to come out that we talk to God and we pray out mysteries and plans and, and strategies with God and we just kind of, well, I'd rather watch Netflix, I'd rather watch the ball game, I'd rather you know, do this or that, Yeah? Contending. This is all mixed together. So I begin to do that. I mean, oh, already, whoo, coming up higher. And so when I started praying an hour a day in tongues, my life began to take on a supernatural element. And you've heard me say it before, but I've learned from Brother Hagen, I'm not afraid of repetition. Brother Hagen would say the same illustrations, the same examples for 60, 70 years. And every time he said it, I learned something new. And so uh, I used this illustration before praying in tongues an hour a day. My life was like this. I, I wanted to do something or, or uh, maybe an opportunity or do something. And I'd come up to this door and it's like a, um, a broom closet and it's locked. And I, I tried to pick the lock, I tried to push, I tried to bang that door down, kick that door down, and with much effort, I finally break open that door, and it's a messy broom closet. Meaning, everything I pursued really didn't, wasn't Ephesians 3.20. It was, it was almost a letdown. Doing this was a letdown. You know, you put a lot of effort into things, and not much comes from it. And that's why a lot of times people start businesses and they don't work. 
You're just doing the natural element without the supernatural element. God never meant for our lives to be natural. I was natural. I want supernatural. Supernatural's better. And so that was my life naturally. But then after praying in tongues an hour a day, talking to God, my life began to take on a supernatural element that instead of whenever I want to do something, instead of having to go to that door and, you know, I don't know what's on the inside of it and break it down through much effort, it's like Walmart. Now, the, for those of you online, the reason you Walmart's it's the only big store we have in Fredonia, New York, the wilderness. Now, there's a big difference between a broom closet and Walmart. A broom closet, you can't see what's on the inside. When we get to Walmart, you have these huge glass doors, and you see there's, there's stuff inside of it. And when you go into Walmart, you don't need to huff and puff and break those doors down to get in. You get near those doors, and all of a sudden, they swing open wide. And that, that became my life. Have you ever heard the term divine coincidences? Where you happen to be at the right place at the right time? You know, one time that could be just a coincidence. But after two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. And things just seem to work for you. So it's stuff you can't orchestrate yourself. I begin to see when I'm praying out, I'm walking out. Brother Hagen said this. I heard him say this years ago. He said, most ministers are trying to minister beyond their prayer life. Pastor Nancy Dufresne said this way, that when we pray in tongues, we, we, we lay tracks for the plan of God. How many know God's plan for you and I is Ephesians 3.20? For those of you who don't know what Ephesians 3.20 is, God is able to do exceeding, abundantly above all we ask or think. And I tell you, things starting to happen, so oh my goodness, look at this. Look, and, and opportunities to win people, Lord, and, and people that, that I couldn't talk to, now I could talk to and they got born again. I, you know, I'd be in a certain place and, and all of a sudden someone would walk in and, and things would happen for me. And I could give you example after example. I mean, you get a taste of that. It's almost like an addiction. You never want to go natural again. But Brother Hagin says most, most ministers live beyond their prayer life. You know, what does a, a train or locomotive do? It brings supply to a destination. It brings supply. It, it brings, you know, to a town great supply, things they need. But if there's no tracks, that great locomotive, even though it has cargo, it has a destination, if there's no tracks, if you take a locomotive just on the sand or grass, what is it going to do? It's going to spin its wheels. Too many of God's people are spinning their wheels. You know, wondering why things don't work. It's, it's, and here, you have a divine assistance. Praying on the tongue. You know, again, I used Pastor Nancy Dufresne. She, she was, of course, Miss Oklahoma. She was in a wrong relationship, abusive relationship. And uh, she was oppressed, depressed. You know, things were going wrong in her life. You know, in the natural things should be going well. Just because you have money doesn't, or, or, or a title doesn't mean that your life is blessed. Her life wasn't blessed. But she said this, 
she knew that she was off course. And she, she just took some time and just prayed hours in the Holy Ghost each day. I mean, it wasn't some supernatural unction. She, she just needed help. She knew that she was off the tracks. And after, of course, I think it was a couple of weeks of praying in tongues, she met a man called Dr. Dufresne. And you know, here, it went, she was in a bad relationship. She was oppressed, depressed, losing weight, uh, heaviness over her. And a matter of a few weeks of praying in tongues, she was lined up with the plan of God. Now today, she's preaching on TV over how many nations? Millions of people. Because she's praying in tongues, getting the plan of God. God has a plan for each one of you. God wants each one of you to experience exceedingly above all you ask or think. And a lot of times we're, we're bellering at God. God, God, why aren't you doing anything? He said, draw an eye to me. Pray. Pray out the plans of God, the purposes of God. This is something we all can do. Amen. Pastor, how long should I pray in tongues a day? Well, you know, I dance with those that brought me. To me, I believe that every believer ought to pray at least an hour a day in tongues. It got silent in this Presbyterian convention. Yeah. No, that's way too much, Pastor. Well, how much TV do you watch? How much media do you watch? How, how much time are you looking at natural things? I'm not talking about you have to lay everything down, but we're talking about contending for that which is spiritual. Spiritual. Brother, Brother Hagen said this. And again, there's so much, I have, I, have, I have some pretty notes here, but um, I have to go what's in my heart and with the needs of the people. Brother Hagin said this, the greatest things that ever happened to me, the greatest miracles, the greatest healing miracles, the greatest financial miracles, if you didn't care about the physical uh, miracles, the financial will get you. Praying in tongues will cause more finances to come, more business opportunities to come. Came after a prolonged time of praying in other tongues, prolonged time. The ministry today, what we're in, what we're doing, have been doing for the last number of years, came as a direct result of praying in other tongues. And we could talk a lot about that. I can give you examples of it. You're, you're like... Meeting my wife and, and, and being um, hooked up with my wife. Supernatural. You know, that's, that's another 30-minute story. I have story. My life has always been marked by the supernatural. Well, Pastor, because you're called and you're a prophet. No, no, this started happening once I started praying an hour a day in tongues. Supernatural things. The Bible says in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, He'll guide you in all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. The ministry of the Holy Ghost is to show you the plan of God. Show you where to go. But pastor, he does in me. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He is showing. But if we're too caught up in natural things, we won't listen to what, what he is saying. The more you pursue and seek spiritual things, the more you draw nigh to God the more the spiritual realm becomes real to you. And so, now, I got born again. I had a pretty prayer life. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I started praying in tongues an hour a day.
Man, I thought I was swimming in the river. <sighs> Doing the backstroke, you know. I mean, it, it can't get any gooder and gooder than this. But then I went to Ramah. And, uh, you know, I had a lot, a lot of fun stories to talk about Ramah. Um, I had two roommates, so there was three bachelors in a one-bedroom apartment. That, that is a precursor to a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah. And um, I almost want to call it the tale of two roommates. I had one roommate that was carnal, more earthly-bound, he eventually backslid and left Rama, But I had a roommate that was very, very spiritual. And uh, I got to know my both roommates very well. But uh, after knowing this spiritual roommate, I decided I was going to share my secret revelation with them about praying an hour in tongues a day and the the supernatural way. And so I thought, man, I, I'm just going to blow them out of the water. I says, you know, sit down. And I said, so you, know, you know, when I started praying an hour a day, wow, supernatural things came my way. And I thought he would just fell down and worship me. <laughs> like John did the angel. I said, no, 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 worship God. Worship God. <laughs> Exhortation. He laughed. He laughed at me. He says, is that all? <laughs> what? He says, is that all you do? What are you talking about? He said, you're not limited to an hour. I'm not. All I knew is the tape said, if you could just make it to an hour, the stuff would work. No. Like the good one said, tongues are, is the doorway to the supernatural. That, that's just the beginning. And he began to teach. No, you can spend hours with God if you want to. Hours. And it was my roommate at Rhema, that actually introduced me to the presence of God. How many know you can pray in tongues an hour and not sense the presence of God, not be aware of God? You can pray in tongues and still be as mental as a, a blockhead. And, you know, and here I thought, man, I'm swimming. And I thought I have reached the deepest boundaries of God in the spiritual realm. And he's telling me, no, that, that's just the beginning. No, you can spend hours. Really? So yeah. And I remember we, we, were, in, we were like in a prayer meeting in, in uh, our apartment. And Norval Hayes used to say this. And, and I, I've come to appreciate, not much happens in the first hour. Why hasn't much happened in my life? You just got your answer. And about after an hour, some started to fill the room. I, I began to sense something. 
and feel something different. At first, I wanted to run. You know, run out. What, 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 what is this? That was the first time I ever experienced the presence of God. And, you know, I, I got to sit down. What is that? You said, that's God's presence. His what? His presence. You mean that God will actually let you be in His presence? You haven't seen anything yet. And through our roommate, we would, we would spend hours worshiping and, and seeking God and praying that our apartment was in Woodland Hills Mall apartment. And there's a lot of stories there. That was a place for gays and drugs and great ministry opportunity. And uh, our, our apartment became known as the upper room. You know, here I'm under anointing and I'm speaking. You know, God, God would strike me dead if I was lying. That uh, my roommate... I would have to go to work and he would be home. He'd be spent time in the presence of God and there he'd be slain in the living room and the glory cloud would be in the living room. And I'd get off of work. I would tiptoe around the edges of the living room going into my bedroom. I'd get changed. Then I would join him. Then when he had to go work, I just continued in the presence of God. I learned... And I, I'm talking about a 19-year-old, just saved a year. I got introduced to God. And I found that the God is a rewarder of them that diligently sought Him. He rewards with Himself His presence, His, his gifts. That there, 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 there's no end to God. That the more time you seek Him and look to Him, the more He will unveil Himself to you. And I kid you not, that I, 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 I've learned that if I can get alone, I can't do it with a bunch of people. You know, you have to be in one court. But I can get alone and bring the presence of God in any room. His tangible manifest presence. And if I wait there long enough, then you can begin to see it in the physical eye. And I've had it where my bed would shake under the power of God. Pastor, were you scared? No. In his presence, the best way I can describe his presence is love, joy, and peace in the air. If they sold that, I would be a drug addict. Oh. Him. Him. Now I'm fixing to close. Addendum two. What, what am I saying? God said, draw nigh to me. I'll draw nigh to you. And Ezekiel, I think it's 47 or 48. That the angel showed Ezekiel, on the temple there's a river. The temple is the preach, preaching, teaching of the word of God. Being... You know, basing your faith on the word. How many know we need to be word people first? But it's interesting. God told the prophet, hey, it's not just word. It's spirit too. And he showed him that there's a river that comes out of the temple. And he took another part of the temple. And there's a river coming out of there too. And he took him. There's, it just flows out of there. Our life is to have a flow of the supernatural. Our life is supposed to have a flow of God. Not just 
head knowledge of God and say, I know I'm born again, but experimental times with God. Now get, now it's very important, you never seek an experience. You seek Him. God is not a reward of them that seek experiences, but a reward of them that seek Him. And, and my time is slipping away. I could go on and on. See, you have to understand there's no end. That you, you can know as much as God as you want. I tell you, just praying an hour a day, I'd be happy there. But man, once I stepped over and got over here, I'm not happy over there. I got I to be further and further and further in God. That... I may know him. He's real. He wants to be real in your life. He wants to be real in your family's life. He wants to be real in your finances. He's God. The eye of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to show him strong. He yearns for time. And so let's take some steps towards God. What is this contending for that which is spiritual. Were you encouraged? Were you stirred? Stirred, you know, to all of us to come up higher. What would happen in all of our churches that all of our people prayed at least now ordained tongues? Now, give me, don't, don't get legalistic over it. You get busy, you know, uh, you know, and you didn't have much time. We'll bump it up next day. Just as a general rule, as a goal, what would happen? What would happen in the finances of the church? What would happen when people get prayed for? What would happen in the people's lives? I tell you, it would attract the heathen. I said, what's going on? Look, look, their lives are so blessed. Look, what, what, what is your secret? I've been with Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Master.